What's up, everybody? I'm Sam Graham Felson. I'm Avi Klein. And you're listening to Hey Man, the advice podcast for men. Each week, we are joined by a special guest who helps us answer one of your questions, and hopefully we'll get some of our own questions answered as well. Our guest this week is Liz Plank. She is the author of For the Love of Men. What's really interesting about this book is that it's not just uh, another uh, screed attacking men. It's actually an attempt to understand uh, men and the various uh, negative consequences that the patriarchy has on them. Our question this week comes from a guy who is really struggling with dating after breaking up with a longtime girlfriend. So Liz is going to help us uh, offer some advice to a dude who feels like he's lost his game. Welcome, Liz Plank. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Um, We both really uh, enjoyed the book. It was super thorough and just filled with lots of interesting studies, interesting statistics, interesting anecdotes. You talked to a lot of really interesting men. And actually, I was struck by just the opening line of the book where you say that our current definitions of masculinity could be considered or should be considered like the greatest threat to mankind. Yeah. And um, obviously, that's a, that's a, a deliberately provocative opening <laughs> line. So I just wanted you to expand on that and give, give some examples of how it's such a threat. Yeah. So I knew that that was, a, and, and I think I say right after that, I know it's a controversial statement. <laughs> uh, and if you just open this book and you've just thought about this, it might sound overblown. Um, but that was, I wrote that line after writing the book. I didn't write that line when I started the book. So I, uh, intended to go out um, trying to offer men a guidebook or a some guidelines about um, things that they needed to do differently so that the women around them wouldn't go as crazy um, and wouldn't be in so much pain. And what I ended up finding out as I was interviewing men, as I was, you know, I'd been talking to men my whole life, um, but I'd not asked them questions about their gender my whole life. When we talked about gender, that meant we talked to women yeah. or we talked to men about women. We don't often yeah, talk to we don't men. Have, we don't have uh, gender. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have gender. You're just, you're the standard, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't, you know, white people don't have a race. Of course they do. Right. And whiteness is something that we need to examine and think about in order to understand how to dismantle racism in the same way that we have to understand masculinity in order to really dismantle gender inequality. And so the more men I talked to and the more research I did, the more I realized that this, um, the lies that we tell about men, really, they're lies, right? Um, that men are inherently more violent, that men are inherently in less need of intimacy than women, that men are um, inherently dominant, aggressive, all of these, you know, or don't have as many emotions, don't have the same need for connection, mm-hmm. as if human connection, right, the most basic human uh, thing that we're hardwired for and the thing that we strive as, as human beings from the moment that we come out of our mother's womb, uh, that men don't need that because I don't know, testosterone. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I went on this quest to, to really figure out, are these things true? And most of, most of them are not true. And a lot of them, um, are, are being perpetuated and are being absorbed, um, not just by, by men, but by women too, by everyone in our society, gender, non-binary people too. We all are, you know, it's, it's the water that we all swim in. Uh, but when you start, right. The, the saying about the fish doesn't see the water because that's all he's he he or she knows um that's all we know but i'm interested in thinking about what else is possible for men in our society and how many 
I mean, of the biggest problems that we think are insolvable, how many of them are actually really connected to this? Um, and I can go into uh, all of them uh, or, or some of them, but the, 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 the ones that, that really jumped to me was, were related to health, for example. Men, uh, I have a chapter in the book called If the Patriarchy is So Great, Why Is It Making You Die? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a real question I still I don't understand it because it, it, it is uh, inherently connected to so many behaviors that are unhealthy, that are not in line with men's goals. <laughs> and, you know, if, if, if life expectancy is, we use that as a measure of well-being, uh, men in almost every country around the world uh, live far less longer than women. And there are biological reasons for that, but there are the the bigger explanation for it is actually is is is, so, is social behaviors. It's learned behaviors that we do. Men are less likely to wear seatbelts. Men are less likely to use sunscreen. Men are less likely to go to the doctor. When they go to the doctor, they stay less long there. It's Men really are more amazing. likely to be in accidents. <laughs> Men are less likely to recycle. Right. Yeah. So I what, found like the stat. Tell us about yeah. the, the thing about drowning. I was blown oh, away by I that. I mean, yeah, drowning is almost an exclusively male experience. Wow. Um, meaning that, so I was a lifeguard for throughout college and, and before, and when I was in high school and I remember learning about, uh, drowning <laughs> as something that was a pretty important thing as your job as a lifeguard is to prevent it. And you learn that most of being a lifeguard is actually not jumping in the water. It's actually prevention. And so we focused a lot on how to prevent drowning. And at one point my teacher just kind of mentioned in passing, yeah, 80% of people who drown are men. And, and I was, I just, I was again, 14 or, or whatever. And I just double, like I did a double take and, and I, I remember raising my hand and being like, what? Um, why? Why? Why are men so much much more likely to drown? And he flippantly sort of answered, "Well, men just are engaged in stupider behavior, and men just take more risks and and drink more and drink more when they do aquatic activities, and that's just the way it is." Anyway, so and, yeah. and then I just thought that was so uh, strange, and it is so strange to me that that's not a unknown thing, and that we don't think about how we could be preventing these deaths. Um, through again talking to men about the behaviors that they engage in that might be really risky um and that could save their lives if they were to change and and what we're seeing is so many interesting studies there's a really fascinating study in uh, oil rigs which is a male-dominated industry and men there there's this one you can look up this study and i cite it in the book and it just fascinates me i think about it almost every day these men just received like basically therapy right um they 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 they, they created this group and in in the specific oil rig where men could just share how they were feeling share things that were related to work or not to work and accidents went down and now I'm forgetting the percentage, but like, but like, but like something like 80%, wow. like a, a really significant number of accidents went down and men were more productive. They, uh, there were more barrels that were, uh, processed per day. And, and, and so we see a direct correlation between men being able to just, you know, expand beyond the really restrictive man box that we have of, of, of what you can be and what you can do. And that their health and their longevity and their happiness, um, all of these things expand and increase when when we're able to give men the potential and the opportunity to be human in our in our society, which which is kind of a non-brainer when you say it, but it's it doesn't feel like a lot of people get that. Or it's not a mainstream conversation in the way that we know that if women don't reach their potential, we as a society are failing. We as a society are not tapping into our potential as a society. We don't think about how men not fulfilling their potential as human beings also is a tax on our society. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, um, 
it's just it's interesting to me because um when we when we talk about you know the quote unquote patriarchy like almost all of the conversation is about um you know the victims of the patriarchy who are i guess women and non-binary people yeah. and um we rarely talk about men being the victims of the patriarchy yeah right it's wild because <laughs> I mean, it seems weird it, like if you just yeah. say that like if i say that especially as a dude people are like what the hell are you talking about right. i actually think that's why it's powerful coming from you as uh, a woman writing the book you know like um it's harder to hear like people are like oh yeah. You know, I don't really want to hear your complaints, like given well, that you're on the top of this hierarchy, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it is like a real, it's such a bind, like, um, you know, to, because men, because of the ways we've been socialized around our ideas about masculinity, like you never want to think of yourself as a victim ever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would yeah. you want to like to acknowledge that you're losing something doesn't feel particularly great. Yes. You know? And and I think particularly for men, that's a hard thing. I, I talk about how many miles, extra miles a man will drive over the course of his God, life. I felt really exposed. Doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's because no, well, no one likes to be told that they have to change, right? Yeah. No one likes to be told that the way that you thought was okay. And the way that you're doing things is not, you is not right or, or needs to be different or needs to be altered. That's a, you know, know everyone's going to be a bit defensive um in reaction to that so i think we have to have that's why we have to have empathy in this conversation and we have to listen and we can't and 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 that's what i also wasn't seeing in a lot of the literature or um articles or uh you know even conferences and events i was at i wasn't seeing um uh a a conversation that was going to bring a lot of men to the table and going to bring a lot of men to the table in a productive way that made change possible. Like I'm just not interested in, in activism that doesn't lead to the impact that we want to see. I'm not interested in activism that's measured by, okay, a ton of women are getting together. A ton of women, we're all so smart and we all figured it out and the patriarchy is really bad. Great break. And then that's it. Um, if we are still living in a sexist society and that we are still like women are still dying, women are still being beat up by their husbands, women are still making far less than their than 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 men, like the impact of our activism, I, I think the activism is is it needs to be rethought. And and to me, it doesn't make sense to not talk about how the patriarchy hurts men. It actually is so strange to me because I uh, started doing this while I was writing the book, obviously. So one of the things that I took a uh, pretty strong stance on was around all the abortion bans um, that occurred. I mean, they happen all the time, but there was a slew of them uh, in Alabama and many other states um, probably eight months ago. And I just, again, saw all the women and I felt it myself. I was like, now I have to go and write why and, and tweet and, and, and go on TV and write about how, offensive it is for the government to say that I don't have the right to bodily autonomy. And so I called on men to to talk about their abortion stories. Mm -hmm. I called on men who are running for president. There's a guy on that stage for sure who's able to run for president because he's had the access to reproductive freedom in his life with his female partner, right? Uh, Whether it's abortion, whether it's birth control, 
all of these things are connected. Did um, anyone rise to the challenge? No one has. No. And I am still, the challenge is still out there. If anyone wants to do it. Um, and, and, and Did you I, hear any uh, male abortion stories? I, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, you know, I, I tweeted that and yeah. it kind of, you know, uh, took off. And, and then I got a lot of criticism from like, you know, Ben Shapiro or whatever, which I expected. Sure. But then I also got a lot of criticism from the left and from, from, from feminists that I respect and admire. Um, and, and their criticism was that I was, we, we should never let men speak about this because then we're buying into the idea that the right wants that men are conning women into having abortions. I don't know, some argument that the far right is doing, um, we would be playing into that. And most importantly, the thing I hear all the time and that was told to me was men should have to suffer in order to fight against gender inequality. Men shouldn't have to have a stake in this fight to fight for it. They should just be... Uh, selfishly, you know, they they should not have a selfish reason to care about this. They they should be joining the fight in. It's sort of like this self righteous, like moral superiority. Like you just you have to be a good person, and and I just think that's so strange. Like yeah. if you were to sell a, a product and hide some of the benefits of it, that if you were in a marketing meeting, people would be like, "I'm sorry, what? You have this great thing that you uh, want more people. If more people buy it, more people can live, more people are, have freedom, and more people can exist freely. And you're gonna you're gonna just hide the parts, hide some of the parts because it doesn't feel right. But here's, um, here's the thing, though. Like like the, I guess I imagine um, I'm trying to imagine like um, your your critics on the left, like um, like stepping inside their shoes it's like yeah men are so annoying right <laughs> they like talk True. too much in the meetings yep. they don't you know listen when you know i mean you gave thousands of amazing examples of the things that men do consciously and unconsciously that just basically like trample over people who aren't men <laughs> men so like how given how annoying they are <laughs> like how did you how did or we are rather how did you um like, how did you arrive at the place where, like, you could just, like, move past being pissed off and annoyed yeah. and actually try to empathize? Like, like what was that process like for you? Yeah. I imagine you didn't just go straight to the place of being like, I want to, like, open my heart to what's no. going Like, you must have they started. They make it hard, of, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but, you, yeah. I, mean I imagine yeah. you started pissed off, as most people oh, yeah. are. I'm still pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. People are like, why are you giving men a pass? Why do you... Yeah, I'm why like, do you are love you, men? Are you crazy? Yeah, why do I love men? Uh, I, I now hold men more accountable in my life than I did before writing this book. Huh. And this is, I talk about the study all the time because I'm obsessed with it. Brene Brown studied domestic violence uh, survivors, female ones who were abused by their husbands. The ones who believed that their husbands were doing the best that they could with what they've been given were not more likely to stay. They were more likely to leave. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is counterintuitive to many of us because we believe that empathy and accountability cannot live in the same sentence, cannot live in the same world. If you are empathizing with someone, it it means that you are not properly holding them accountable. That sounds like all my work with men. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I so I actually believe that myth until I practice it. I, I practice it in my own life, and actually, uh, assuming that men aren't trash made me expect more out of the men in my totally, life totally. and leave if they were trash, yeah. right? Because there are people who are trash. Like, that's just going to happen. Um, and I think men are more likely, This is someone's going to cut this quote, I don't want to say men are trash, but I think that men tend to do 
men engage in bad behavior more than women do, mm -hmm. like uh, across the board. But I don't think that that's because of the way that they were born. I don't think that that's the way that they are wired. I don't think that that's the way that they that they are. I think that there is one human species. Uh, it would be super offensive to make any kind of judgment on any other group and say, Trans people are just dumber, you know? Trans people just, they're more likely to drown because they just do stupid stuff. That would not, it would just not be acceptable to say those things about about other groups, but we say it about men. And I think that we believe that this gives men a pass. And in, in a certain way, it does all the time. And I think it did, especially before the Me Too movement yeah. happened. And now there's more accountability. But, but I just don't believe... I, I, I just don't believe that that's just how men are and I'm not willing to accept that. And that has made me not, yeah, not like it, it's made me less, it, it's made me actually, um, play like I, I just was, I I'm spending the same amount of energy in my activism, but I feel like I am, I am now, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I'm just uh, more productively using that energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, does, does yeah, that make and sense? If, I mean, honestly, to me, it feels like this strategy is probably a lot more dangerous to Jordan Peterson than just being yes, like, men, men suck. Because, yeah, no. because yeah. if you tweet um, like all men suck, mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson is going to be that. like, see, mm -hmm. they hate us. Yes. And let's just revel in how much we suck and like, mm -hmm. and like, you know, celebrate violence mm -hmm. and celebrate mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. kids on skateboards who do really dangerous, reckless mm -hmm. tricks, which, which he loves to talk about. He? Yeah. He loves oh, skateboarding yeah. kids. Who He's get such a 1950s um, like retrograde. But if, <laughs> so many men love him. I yeah. Mean, but it's right? a lot scarier to people like him and people who follow him to be like, um, you're you're you you don't inherently right, so like you have better. autonomy you mm -hmm. have like agency like mm -hmm. and i care about like the choices that you make and yes. I, you know like that's a lot like what what does someone like him do with that yeah well that's <laughs> why and that i love that you said that because that was actually my intention too i realized that i was jordan peterson's best case scenario like i was like his wet dream like some of the <laughs> tweets that i put out there would be things that he could literally put at the beginning of a youtube video and then yeah convince men that they need to because i think that there is pain there right like these men who are following jordan peterson yeah. who are following tucker carlson Absolutely. who are they're in pain yeah and that's what i you know really realized researching this book and, and talking to men i was like wow there is so much there and i think men a lot of men don't even know how much pain they're is holding there, on to is there like a moment like i'm just wondering how that switch started to happen or how you kind of your mind started yeah. to change it was a it wasn't like a there wasn't one click moment yeah. but i think that there were there were a few uh instances where well first of all i, I still use the term toxic masculinity almost uh, i i took it out of the book i tried to take it mostly out of the book um at the very 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 end again the the process of writing the book was really not me coming in with an idea and and being like this is what i'm going to do i i i really did alter yeah, the, the book based on the reporting and, and based on, on what I was hearing. And one of the things that um, came up when I would ask men, I, I come from the internet, so I use the internet a lot for this book for crowdsourcing questions mm -hmm. and, and seeing, again, getting a better sense of what's what's out there. And so I would ask men very simple questions about toxic masculinity, quote unquote. Um, and I would ask them, How's, how does toxic masculinity hurt your dating life, for example, was one I really remember feeling a shift in, in how I thought about it. I came into that expecting how it they were hurting women in their relationships, if they're straight, obviously. And I got that. There was a lot of that in that thread. But there was a lot about how they were hurting each other and mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I didn't, I, that, yeah, that was a, for me, a paradigm shift in how to think about this system of masculinity and how to think about this, these ideals as yes, oppressive to women. Not, none of what th- come out of yeah. the research, you know, disprove that. Right. But there was like a whole other part of this conversation right. that was so huge and that no one ever asked men about. Yeah. A lot of the men that I talked to, no one had ever asked them. What does being a man mean to you? Mm-hmm. When did you know that you were a man? Um, what's hard about being a man? These are very, very simple questions. I'm not dismissing them. Simple questions are the most interesting questions. But it, 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 it astounded me that I, a stranger, and in some of these things I was on camera, you know, with one of our social experiments with Esther Perel, we yeah. were on camera talking to men, you know, dudes I'd never met in my life. And they were opening up to me and I'd ask them, did you ever did you right. talk about this to anyone? No, I, I guess I haven't. And that just broke my heart. It broke my heart. I want to ask you something before we get to the question, which is because I feel like where you're pushing this is almost that like we have our own internal, like we're dismissing men. We're dismissing their capability of doing more, that there's something. um, And that's like kind of a provocative thing to say that, that like that women too are sort of underestimating men Mm -hmm. or, um, Mm -hmm. And oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But we all do. I, yeah. men, it's it's like in the same way that if you think of even about racism, people of color internalize racism too, right? Yeah. People of color. I'm not a person of color. I've I've been told this by people of color, but they they will say, uh, you know, if you have a brain, you have bias, which is what Verne Myers, the head of inclusion at Netflix, says all the time, and I think about it all the time because yeah. it's it's okay. <laughs> it's also part of this conversation. Yeah. That. So often we come into this being, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you need to change or else you're canceled, right? Mm-hmm. You will you will be exiled and yeah. you will not be worthy of connection and of love. And I don't think that that's the right way to come into this because I think we all uh, have absorbed these things. We've all absorbed uh, some of these behaviors and attitudes. And I think that, again, that, that makes me like... <sighs> exhale. Like, yeah. I just feel like, okay, I, I don't feel as uh, stressed out about it. I don't feel, I, I, it makes you not want to avoid the conversation. It makes you comfortable to have it. And, and I just, again, I think that makes it so much more fun um, and so much more accessible and, and so much more possible as a, as, as impactful as that, the, 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 this conversation can be uh, to approach it that way. Something that I say all the time, you know, is that masculinity is so often presented as a problem, but I think it's the solution. Men are inherently, and, and Michael Kimmel talks about this exercise that he does with so many different men uh, around the world where he says, you know, what's a good man? He asks a, a, a crowd of men and they'll say, stands up for the little guy, protects and loves others, right? All these, you know, being genuine, being honest, being loyal. Then he says, what, what's a real man? And then that's when they start shouting all that crap yeah. of like getting laid dominate, win at all costs, all the things that you hear Trump say every fucking day. Sorry, am I allowed to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Just when I say Trump, I can say (laughs) that word. Um, So it is clear to me that there is, uh, to me, the good man is what men know to be right and I think know in their hearts that they want, I I think that they want to be that person. Um, I think that the real man stuff is basically the system and what is taught to them and and what is forced upon them and what we haven't necessarily uh, acknowledged is also oppressive to them or, su- or, or suppressive. You don't want to use the word oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, it suppresses them. And I think that a lot of men, and you tell me if I'm right, a lot of men 
are are not enjoying patriarchy as much as we think that they are. A lot of men are in the locker room, are in the bus, and they're Billy Bushing. Like they're just yeah. laughing yeah. awkwardly because they just want the moment to pass because yeah. they're talking to a man who there is a hierarchy within men, mm-hmm. and, yeah. right? It's not just there is a patriarchy with men at the top, women at the bottom. There's also a power structure within men mm-hmm. and all of, you know, that's why intersectionality is such an important part of this conversation too. The difference between being a black man in a room and a white man in a room, being the straight cis man in the room and being a trans guy in the room. There's that, but there's also just like, if if a man plays that like macho yes. card, he just like, He's he'll have one. more power. Yes. Just doing it like yes. subdues almost yes. anyone. Yes. And what I wish that you had is a a toolkit to deal with other men. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that you, we've created a toolkit about how to deal with women and it's not, men are not there yet about how to treat women, how to, you know, uh, react in certain situations. Like we, 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 we've had, I don't know. I don't, I don't even have an example, but like, don't, yeah, don't sexually harass her. <laughs> like don't, <laughs> if, yeah, if you know, be, make sure you have consent and this is how you make sure you have en- enthusiastic consent. I feel like there's not a lot of, resources and and support about how to challenge other men and how to navigate spaces with other men so that you get to be who you want to be in the world and so that and i think the majority of guys in in a lot of those spaces don't enjoy it but they're they don't know that other men are not enjoying it right and 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 they just are going along with something that's not even that's not making women happy and not making the world a better place but also not making them happy um i don't think i've talked about this on the podcast before but like i go to like one of those places where you get your hair cut for like $12. I think they raised the price to like 14. Um, but, uh, I just hate getting my haircut. I want a quick haircut and get the hell out of there. And it's funny that like I find barbershops to be like, uh, like, like cesspools of hypermasculinity yeah. because, because I, my pet theory is that like, especially when they shampoo your hair, which funnily enough, they do it my $14 place. Really? Like, they I don't think, do wow. that at my like $50 I think, place. I think, well, you gotta, you gotta come to my spot. I think that they feel like um oh like like i have to overcompensate and be super hyper masculine because i don't want him to think i'm like getting into rubbing his temple uh-huh. like rubbing my like silky That's... shampooed fingers through his temples so like my so this yeah. barber will just like constantly be like telling me about like yeah fuck this girl and like i got it like that yeah. enough and this girl and and meanwhile he's holding like a sharp metal object <laughs> so i'm like haha yeah man okay like you know just but, be crazy. Yeah. but that's like i'm always billy bushing in those moments because i'm yes. just like, <laughs> I'm like you want to get out of there yeah, exactly. isn't that is so fascinating i've never heard anyone put it that way because and and i think that so i think about it in the reverse of in so men aren't allowed to like stare each other in the eyes and hold hands or like you know in public in the way that I could do with with a female friend and no one I don't know it'd be like fine um there's an assumption that you're gay right and Mm -hmm. that if you're doing that you're gay when men are dressed up in a full football outfit which is probably not the right term for it it's a uniform and outfit um (laughs) they can slap each other's butts right that's how they say hello yeah I find that I just think we don't spend enough time thinking about how crazy yeah. that is. Um, that that if men are in coached in this hyper masculinity, right? You're a football player. You're wearing the gear. You're you're like out there, right. you know, kicking ass. Then you can show m- m- some form of male t- intimacy in the way that you can't. If you you're not coaching this hyper masculine, right. you know, environment. like in the military, I'm sure yes. there's a lot of butt slapping too. I and, mean, you know, it's totally acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the way, just very last detail, <laughs> just just <laughs> to just to add to the whole atmosphere, 
They literally they had stacks yeah, they of porn. Playboy they and porn, porn oh, and, and other this. porn. I've yeah, heard this. it's a ridiculous thing. Ew. I can't. Like, what are you supposed hey, wait, to? Wait, like, is this a thing in like, barbershops? They often have porn. And, and I like mean, the classic, like the the fourteen dollars spots. This like, one had, I think, like penthouse and Playboy. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, pen, although penthouse, penthouse is pretty is like, intense. That's. Um, I remember yeah. as like yeah, like I know. a teenager. It's so cheesy. It's, it's, like, it's not even just a. It's like ew. And like, what kind of person looks at that? Like in a room full of other people. Other I don't men. Know. Yeah. Also, not just men, but there are boy, little boys who yeah. go to the barbershop. So it's so weird. It's like who, like, like they, really, like the length that the length men will go to like prove that they're not gay. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a porn magazine next to an eight year old kid at my barbershop. Anyway, let's go to the. That's so interesting. <laughs> That we could so keep going for a while, but we, yeah, we should, we should get a get barber to... on the show. At some I mean, point. I have yeah. one, the one, I mean, this, I, I'm sure he doesn't, I mean, maybe he does, but I, I actually have a barbershop right in front of my place and, and the barber makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a thing that like, it's this, he's a super hyper and like, it, I, it, yeah. I'm sure he's not a bad person, but every interaction I've had, he's like, you're a model, right? And I'm like, no, I've told you eight times. My journalist. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he's very, and, yeah, there's just this, I'm, and I, it makes me very uncomfortable. And yeah. it's interesting that it's a barbershop, but anyway, yeah. um, that's next time you should yeah. say, can, um, when he asks if you're a model, you say, I'm a journalist. Do you mind if I interview you for about an article I'm doing about, about toxic masculinity? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I look at your porn, yeah. Yeah. your stack. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is a question about, uh, dating and stuff and i'm sure okay. on your book tour you've been getting questions similar to this hey man i'm 28 and ended a two-year relationship roughly nine months ago before that relationship i had a few girlfriends but didn't date that much now i've been trying hard to date around but i'm extremely self-conscious about my inability to talk to women i don't know how to flirt or pick women up many times if i'm using an app the conversations just fizzle out if it's in person i can be shy and take a while to warm up which I'm sure is a turnoff. There's no sexual tension or chemistry. And outside of one night of post-breakup sex with my ex, I haven't had sex with anyone in nine months. Mm. Most of the time, I'm just convinced that the dates are awkward and I never bother to follow up. There's almost never follow up with me. So I imagine the feeling is mutual. Looking back, I realize that the majority of relationships I've been in are because the women pursued it, not me. But that seems so weak and pathetic. How do I, get about, how do I go about actually dating women that I want to date? Signed, Gameless in Greenpoint. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, there's a lot in there. So I think that a few things. So when we did when we did this social experiment with Esther Prowl, yeah. um, she had a similar, I mean, one guy come up, obviously a lot of the, so we did a social experiment. It's a, Can you just say who you, Esther Perel is? Oh my gosh, I, I mean, who doesn't do know, not who know she's like the Oprah of, sex uh, and relationships, right? She's this amazing, famous uh, relationship expert and she has uh, written several books and has several uh, viral TED Talks and has a new podcast about work and relationships, which is super fascinating. Um, and so we went to Washington Square Park together, Washington Square Park together, and we put a sign that said, free advice for men from a woman. And my plan was to go there on my own, but then once Esther, I needed someone, I'm not, I'm going to give advice right now, uh, but I don't feel like I'm always, I, I don't feel especially equipped to, I wanted to be equipped to handle, you know, whatever questions were coming mm -hmm. at our, at us. And one guy came up and, and asked a similar question uh, to, you know, how do I, how do I pick up women? How do I, you know, get a woman to like me or whatever? And um, she said, stop thinking about you. Like, mm -hmm. because when you are, I think that a lot of men, again, are, uh, 
I, I think this is taught between men. <laughs> and I, I don't know if this is coming necessarily from women. I think it's coming from other men that you have to perform and that you have to peacock and that you have to show you, you have to make a show. Right. Whether it's buying an expect, uh, bringing her to an expensive restaurant, uh, having an expensive watch or an expensive car or talking about. I mean, I've had guys literally just sometimes it's like it's hilarious. I've had a guy just tell me how much his rent was like for <laughs> no reason. I was like and it was like a very expensive. And I was like, why are we why did you I don't even understand where this is going. But but in in little ways, I think men want to show. Right. And, and, and I and I know that he was doing that to impress me and he was doing that so that we build a connection. I'm some women it will build a connection for them but I think most women they don't want to show they want to be seen mm -hmm. and making people feel seen and making women feel seen is very easy you just are you have to be interested in them more than you're interested in in, in your performance in the date yeah. so ask her questions ask her follow-up questions is my big one a lot of men are not taught, I talk about this in the book, they're taught that about the specific trans transactions in a date that you have to pay for the check, you have to choose a place that is close to her and like all these things, you know, I'm not saying they don't matter, but men are not told that they should be asking follow-up questions. You know how great being in a conversation is with someone who asks you follow-up questions? <laughs> that means that they're actually listening to the answer and that they've thought about what you've said and then they're showing you that they've actively listened and they're asking you another opportunity to, 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 to speak more about something that you are interested in. Um, and so something as simple as that, um, I, I, I think that we, you know, we, w w when we're in situations where we're insecure and we're in situations where we're trying to make someone like us or please other people, we get lost in our heads and, and actually getting out of your head and, you know, yeah, spending your time being more interested in, in the other person, um, is actually, is actually a far better way of building a connection. Um, I was going to, play devil's advocate for a second and just i mean i've been out of the game for a yeah, long we time yeah. we're both, both of married us and have kids and like okay. you know we've both been i've been with my wife basically for we started dating when in college so it's wow. been a long ass time yeah, but me too but uh <clears throat> but basically um i'm just trying to imagine i mean i have i have some friends who are who are single um and some some of whom struggle uh with dating and I think like um, I'm trying to imagine being in their shoes and um, hearing that advice and then being like, all right, but if I'm just this passive guy who's like, I mean, I know they're not being passive. They're being yeah. active listeners, but, <laughs> right, right, but I'm, right. I'm putting it in their words. If yeah. I'm just some passive guy who's asking all these questions, like when do I get to um, show that I'm actually, that there's like interesting, worthy things about me and, mm -hmm. and I'll answer my devil's advocate question first. And, but then I want to hear what you think mm -hmm. about this. Like, it seems to me that like, it's great advice just to relax the man to say, go in and, and, and forget about yourself for a while and just really just draw, draw her out and ask her about her, her life yeah. and who she is and what her passions are and ask interesting follow-up questions and pay attention. And probably while he's doing that, he's going to loosen up enough so yeah. that at, at a certain point he will start talking about himself. And she'll, it's not like she wants to just be interviewed no. the whole time. She'll want to ask about him yes. too. And he'll probably be more relaxed then too. Mm -hmm. Whereas if he's coming right out of the stable being like, I need to like rattle off my resume and my, and how much my rent is. <laughs> <laughs> he's not relaxed. She's going to pick up on that. And then she's going to be yeah. like, why is this guy just motor mouthing right, at that me? Really yeah. insecure. That makes, does that, yeah. It, yeah. And, and I've, I, I, I can't, I, again, all women are not the same. All men are not the same, but, but yes. Um, 
if and if she doesn't ask, and, and and what I mean by that is women are going to ask you questions. And I feel like often, unfortunately, in my in my experience of dating and and I talk a little bit about it in the book because it was something that came up a lot for women that I was talking to. They felt like they were managing the conversation. Right. And 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 I think that women are often managing emotional relationships. They're managing their households. They're 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 sort of in charge of that. And um, and, and when it comes to dating, it can be frustrating because then, yeah, you're wondering, is he, you know, I've asked him 10 questions and I haven't had a question yet. Can he really be interested in me? Um, and, and so, yeah, if you ask her questions and ask her follow-up questions, it's not about just asking questions. She's going to ask you a question back and then you get to have a real conversation. Um, in, in the, sorry, Avi, um, Go ahead. in, in the book, yeah. um, you, you talk about how men, um, you know, engage in acts of quote unquote chivalry, which can sometimes be really oppressive and annoying when you're on the receiving end of the chivalry. And I wonder like, um, you know, that the act of like pay the man paying for the date, like it never really like sunk into me until I read your book, like how that creates a certain kind of setup and dynamic where it's almost like, like if the man is always expected to pay for the date, it almost creates like a pay for play dynamic. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm paying for the date. So therefore, I get yeah. something We're gonna sleep together, right? So yeah. I almost wonder, like, yeah. would you do you recommend to men now to not pay for a to, to just split or do you just like is I mean, I think that see, this is the part where uh, and, and I talk about this in the book about going on a chivalry diet because I realized that I was buying into all of these things too, right? I was mad that men weren't asking me follow up questions, but then I was also mad when they were focusing on the when, when they wouldn't deliver on the transactional aspects of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I, I remember once going on a date and and it, yeah, it was a coworker. And so already it was like a little bit uh, this was this was pre me too when it was not that big of a deal. And it was I mean, it's still common. But anyway, right. so we're on this date and but it's not necessarily like 100 percent clear that we're on a date. And then we and then we split the check and I was like, ugh, like, what are we just like, at a work lunch, you know? And I remember being upset about that and, and it tainting my interest uh, or my level of interest and then catching myself being like, well, yeah, I've, I participate in this. Like, so I should stop doing that. Uh, so I don't just blame, you know, it's not just a one-sided, you know, expectation of, of who needs to change. Um, so I stopped participating in chivalry. I do still, enjoy parts of it though. How and do you communicate to a prospective <laughs> date that you don't participate in chivalry? I think that you, so my rule, and this is my own personal rule, you can take it or leave it. I still think that given the world that we live in and the current system that we're in, hopefully we can move to a system that's different, but given the current system, I think that the man should pay for the first date <laughs> as a symbolic gesture of I appreciate your time and showing and signaling his interest. And unfortunately, with our friend, um, uh, I only remember Greenpoint. What's the gameless? Gameless in Green in Greenpoint. Uh, Not following up. Yeah. Unfortunately, still will signal even if the woman is interested she's going to take that she, she's mm-hmm. waiting for you to follow up first and and that's unfortunate it sucks yeah. it, it shouldn't be that way but given the i think the world that we live in those little things are still still i think apply wait let's let's pause on that yeah. for a second because um i think i think men who don't have game um don't really get it often that they're supposed to that they're expected to follow up oh, yeah. and they think that if they're, if the woman isn't getting back to them, 
the woman just hated them. So I think it's just an important, it's yes, an important point. Often not, but, but why is that? If we can just interrogate that for a second. Why, why is that? That is it just that women are afraid, are afraid that they'll be considered too like masculine or aggressive if like they it. make the first follow-up? I think that it feels, uh, in, in, in the way that it feels maybe humiliating for the woman to pay on the first date for the guy, it feels humiliating for the woman mm. to be the first person to reach out after a date. Uh, with with a guy and 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 that's the best way for again i'm talking this is very anecdotal and personal but but i think that again we are synced in these gender roles um and i think that we are still operating in a in a in a world where women are still more at risk of being disposable to Mm. men and more at risk of is he just interested in having sex with me or is he interested in like does he really want to be with me? And we, we first of all, have a long history of that happening. I mean, as a woman, I can tell you so many times, right, where that that's hurtful. Like, that sucks. Um, when you are interested in someone and you think that they're interested in you and actually they just want, you know, they're, you feel dehumanized and, and objectified. And sometimes you're both just interested in each other's bodies and that's fine. But I think that there, it, it has happened more to women that men are not really, really interested in them fully, um, then maybe it has happened to men, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, hopefully that can change and, and we can live in a different world. Um, but I think that those those little gestures, I think are a way to signal, yeah, that 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 you're interested and that you want to see her again. And, and I think that a lot of men, a lot of us generally think that people are inside our heads, <laughs> right? We, uh, Alain de Baton talks about this a lot of, we, we learned how to love and be loved when we were children. And when we were children, our parents, uh, if we were unhappy, they'd be like, are you sad? Are you, are, are you angry? Do you need to change your diaper? Do we need to go take you for a walk? Uh, do you need your toy? You need this other toy. Right. So parents were expected to figure out and, and with, you know, I think it's very valid. Children can't speak for yeah. a large portion of their <laughs> lives when they're babies. Um, your parents figured out what you needed and, and were there to figure that out. Um, we as adults cannot expect other people and other adults to know what we need if we don't say what we need. And we can't expect people to know how we feel if we don't tell them how we feel. And so in my dating life, I find myself often telling, having conversations with men where, yeah, it gets, it gets problematic or we get into, you know, or, or there's no response. There's a, a, a lack of communication. And I take that as, oh, well, you're not interested or you're not, I'm not your priority or you're not going to be like a, a person I can count on. Mm-hmm. And then they tell me, well, oh, no, I want I thought about it all week. I couldn't think about it the right way to say, and I just didn't want to bother you. And I, and then I'm like, Oh my God, how was I supposed to know that? Right. Or I actually do care about you. I, I've been wanting, I've been loving with you for years. Like <laughs> sometimes it's just, it's uh, not, I'm not like that didn't happen, but, <laughs> but nice. uh, that would be nice. Um, but sometimes the, what, what has actually been going through their, their minds and their hearts is so different from from their behavior um and and i think that a lot of it is just learning how to communicate that is a very guy thing too um, there's like so much more happening inside than they yeah and then they're mad on. they're like i can't believe and you're like you're how was i and I, I i this is a sentence i feel like i repeat over and over again in my relationships with men which is how was i supposed to know that yeah you know well, okay we don't have a lot of time but i just i just want to um uh play devil's advocate for this guy again yeah what if what if the um first date really just is awkward like this is a guy who's been Mm -hmm. out of the game for a while he's just bad at it he's he's awkward um like 
if you know, not to put you on the spot, Liz, yeah. but like if you had a really awkward date, um, like and the guy tried to follow up, like like I guess what I'm wondering is like, mm. are there second chances in dating? Like if you blow it in the first one, like because because yeah. because my guess is that probably I mean if it's like the most sociopathically awkward thing ever, <laughs> obviously the answer is no. But like if the guy was like a little bit shy, don't. Do you, do you think it seems to me that like a lot of people would give him a, a second chance? Like, it's not like he, he like had you one bet at the roulette You got to shoot your shot, right? Like yeah. you got to take, like, I mean, if he wants a second date, you got to ask. Yeah. I think that's what Liz would say. You can speak yeah. for yourself. That's <laughs> true. And, and, and something that Esther Perel asked what this one guy was, do you choose or do you wait to be chosen? Uh-huh. And I thought that that was, and this guy was like, well, you get to see, he was like, it's a very I, I Esther wait to Perel, be like... It's a very <laughs> Esther <laughs> But I think that that might be helpful to, um, to our gameless in Greenpoint because it seems like he is not really, he is putting himself out there, quote unquote, by going on dates, but he's not actually putting himself out there because he's in, 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 in a true vulnerable mm-hmm. way because he's not even following good. up. And, and, and it seems like he's interested in some of these women or, but he doesn't, he's not fine. He's not writing to them because he's afraid to find out. Right. And, and yeah, the answer might be no, but that's the risk you have to take. Cause the, if that's you don't okay. ever ask that yeah. answer is never going to be yes. I have one more devil's advocate for you. Yes. Um, Especially since he called himself gameless, which mm. makes me think of like like pickup artists and things like that. Right. What about like if you're so interested in a woman, aren't you at risk of getting friend zoned? You know, like what's the difference? He's talking about like there's no sexual tension. Right. If he's listening too mm. much, is he? Yeah. In a if you're like zone? so nice and like friendly and like I don't know. No, I mean that's just not. A that's thing. not a thing. <laughs> I mean, again. It, if you, quote unquote friend zone is that like we're not sexually attracted to each other mm-hmm. it's not because you're too nice to me mm. it's because we don't have we i don't have sex with you mm-hmm. uh i want to spend time with you uh-huh. and like that's just like and, and sometimes that. that yeah you gotta live with that and that's also just because you someone else or um is not able to love you it does not mean that you are not lovable just yeah. because someone else doesn't want to have sex with you it doesn't mean no one wants to you're have unfuckable sex with you. you're yeah. unfuckable <laughs> exactly so it just might not work with this person i also it, think like um like the friend zone thing is actually more of a guy side. Like, yeah. like that is maybe you afraid to, uh, ask someone on a date, yeah. you know, like that's when that happens yes. is like, you're just, you're doing like some yeah. of the good stuff, but you don't want to f- get rejected. So yeah. you don't do it. Right. That, exactly. Like that's why that happens. Yeah. By the way, for, for those guys who are worried about that, there's another good piece of advice in Liz's book, which I guess you got from Google's corporate or YouTube's corporate, uh, yeah, policies, yeah, yeah. which is just, you're allowed to ask once. Uh-huh. So like if you think you're in the friend zone, you want to move it to the romance zone. You can ask. Yes. If yeah. she says no, th- like the worst no. things will happen. Yeah. She says no. And then you're like, okay, we're back in the friend yeah. zone. <laughs> back where we started. Yeah. Like it's not, yeah. yeah. And, but, but if you're, yeah, it's, it's, it's when you ask over and over and over again. Right. Or if you, especially in, in a workplace scenario is, is when it gets, it gets tricky. It's like, she said no. Um, mm-hmm. That's not going to change. Yeah. So if we're going to distill the advice for our friend Gameless and mm. Greenpoint, it's to you to pay more attention and to be sort of more authentically like interested. Get out, yeah. of, your, get out of your own Get head. out of your head. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, by the way, it's kind of 
I, I mean, we don't have time to get into this, but on almost every show, I would give a plug for meditation. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, you need to practice getting yeah. out of your own head. It's easier said than done. It and is. There, you know, meditation is not the only tool, but like meditation is a strategy for helping you get out of your own head, especially mm-hmm. in high stress situations like but, going yeah. to yeah. Focusing yeah. on someone else is kind of a, it is an easy way to get out of your head potentially. It is. Gives yeah. you it something is. to focus on. And, and meditation also gives you more self-knowledge and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's just generally something that, that uh, not just in dating, but in in so many uh, different ways, men have been have cut off their relationship with other men, but their relationship with themselves too, Very right? And so, and and I think that when you're when you're avoid, when when you're not in touch with yourself and you're not aware and 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 in, yeah, in touch with who you are, that also makes you not as uh, yeah comfortable yeah. In, in in certain situations yeah. um, than 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 you would be. Yeah, it's one of the, I mean, yeah, when you're not comfortable with yourself, that that's when you have bad game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing, but like you gotta, you gotta you just like work on being comfortable with yourself. Yeah. Like it's going to be hard to have good game if you just feel terribly yes. uncomfortable with yourself. Absolutely. And <laughs> um, then you're kind of like there to get validation from the other person or someone yeah. like, which is I, what I do. I mean, and a lot of women do, which is like. Love, love me, like me, because <laughs> I don't like myself. Um, you know, love yourself, be comfortable with yourself, and then you'll be a way better date. And yeah. that's something to aspire to. That we're, sure. all, we're, we're, oh, all we're all working on that. Working on that. <laughs> yeah. That's also the part. Yeah. yeah. No one dating sucks for everyone. Yeah. That's what also he should remember. Yeah. No matter how many years you've been in and or out of the game, dating is you have to go on ten dates to find to go on one good date, right? Isn't that the, the ratio? But couldn't we? Couldn't we just like it? It sucks, but like, what if what if it was just like a small like twist was made in your head where you're just like, it's funny, you know, dating is funny. Yes. It's like a comedy. It's like, it all is. right, it's like it's not gonna work nine out of ten yes. times, <laughs> and like let's just have fun yes. with it and roll with it. I love that. As opposed to just being like super disappointed yes. when you know that nine out of ten yes. times it's gonna go bad. I love that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, my best friend Kat taught. She's like, I approach dating like a salesperson. They just call, and a no is a road to a yes. You know, <laughs> and yeah, a no is not a. It does not. It doesn't say anything about you. Um, but that's a hard thing to to remember. But but if you tell yourself that, then yeah, you'll approach it much more in a much more light you know framework and it'll be much more enjoyable so liz has to get on a plane to an amazing tropical location oh while we're gosh. stuck in I'm increasingly sorry. cold new york city I know it's gonna but, snow um, soon. but uh can you share with us um a piece of advice that um you have gotten at some point in your life um or read or whatever that has stuck with you and proved helpful so throughout much. your life the, the best advice i was given uh, when I was in my early twenties, when I was dating and just like our friend, not finding, you know, happiness in that I was told by my therapist at the time, she said, Elizabeth, she's the only person who calls me Elizabeth (laughs) along with my mother, Elizabeth, if you're hungry, don't go inside an empty kitchen. (laughs) And that that stayed with me. And it applies to so many different things. It applies to relationships, obviously. Um, But it applies to everything, right? Um, And that when you keep going to an empty kitchen, whatever that empty kitchen is for you in your life, um, yeah, just, you know, come up with an an alternative and and try and figure out why you're tempted to go in that empty kitchen and go find a a kitchen with all your favorite snacks in there because it's out there. Yeah, Um, yeah, that would be it. 
What, where can people find, what, what's the name of your book uh, and where can people find you on social media? The book is called For the Love of Men, A Vision for Mindful Masculinity. You can buy it um, anywhere. It's everywhere, uh, everywhere uh, online. Uh, I encourage you to buy it at your indie bookshops mm-hmm. uh, and uh, those stores. And um, you can find me uh, at Feminist Tabulous, which is really hard to sp- say and spell. But um, I'm, if, we'll people, if you put in, in this notes, plan, yeah. <laughs> I, I will pop up uh-huh. uh on twitter instagram tiktok um which i'm playing with and and all the other fun places awesome. all right that's it for our show this week thanks everyone for listening if you have a question that you want some advice on please email us at amenpod at gmail.com or better yet give us a call 917-426-4326 and leave us a voicemail all questions if they make it on the show are anonymous no need to worry. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at HeyManPod. And if you have a moment, give us a review, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And better yet, click subscribe. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Peace. <laughs>